Thank you. Right. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Stab 2? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. No. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A second Super Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now. I'll have my revenge and Deathstalker, too. Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator. How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Oh, please, please. By definition alone, there are fewer films. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Inside the Sequel, the podcast where... Uh, we talk about sequel movies that don't get enough love or attention. And uh, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm your host, as always, Chris Hurtado. And uh, I'm excited because today's episode is on a, a sequel I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. And I think it's super timely that it's, came, it's coming out now. Um, but today we are talking about the 2006 release of the 1980 sequel, Superman 2. And we're talking about the Do Richard Donner cut from 2006. The three villains from Krypton have taken over the White House. No. Neil before thought. Metropolis is almost in ruins. And Superman has lost his powers. Or has he? As the adventure continues in Superman 2, rated PG. Now play. Check newspapers for local listing. And I'm super excited for this because I have a first-time guest on, known as the Cinema Drunkie, which... At one point when I started uh, podcasting, I thought I would take that title. And after a few recordings in my time, I'm like, he can have that. I'm good. <laughs> I have Rob from the Cinema Drunkies podcast. Rob, how are you, my guy? I'm good, Chris. Thank you for having me on. Uh, really excited to be here. Been a big fan of your show for a while now. So I'm just especially excited to talk about anything Superman. So I'm glad you asked me to be a part of this one. Yeah, whenever I it's, it's full disclosure, when I message people to be like on a podcast, I usually give a few recs that I'd like to talk about. And then I ask them what's something they really want to talk about instead. And usually that's the case, or there's another option. Superman 2 is always one that I always throw out there, and I never get any bites on that. Really? And yeah, I mean, it's like I grew up on the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, and as did I, yeah, good. And you know, part of like it's obviously very obvious on this podcast. I have some toxic traits. So it was like the super Christopher Reeve Superman movies. And my toxic trait was, I was also growing up watching the Brian Singer X-Men movies. <laughs> and I, I think as time has gone on, I probably should have been like, Oh, Brian Singer and his movies are awesome. I, I mean, I love the guy's stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, I just, yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but the funny thing was um, I've loved, I never paid attention to like, see the versions of superman 2 that i was watching or watching on tv because there's two different versions and they're pretty different and uh it's the world of director's cuts you know like ultimate cuts you know i mean superman 2 kind of set the precedent i feel like on that 
Yeah. Um. It's uh. You can you definitely um in this day and age of director's cut where everybody's clamoring for like you hear that there's alternate footage of, of a movie. Everybody's clamoring for that director's cut. Um. Of course. Uh. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention a uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is mm -hmm. probably the most now the most famous uh, uh tale of the, the director's cut, where like that. But definitely, uh, Don the Donner cut set the precedent for that. You know where it was just like, like because you had really Scott's uh, director's cut of Blade Runner, you had uh, James Cameron's director's cut of The Abyss, and but this was the first time where it was just like the footage actually changed like the whole tone of the movie, mm -hmm. and it was just like almost like two different movies, even though it's like it's, it's the same beats, but it's, it's just two completely different things. And uh, yeah, Donica definitely set precedent for that. Yes, sir. And I'm I'm glad yeah, because you were just like Superman too. I felt like I gave you a beefy list, and you're like Superman too. And I oh, it was immediately it was immediately Superman too. Like you, you said a lot of good titles, but the the, the first one that hit my eye was Superman too. Because I because Superman is my all time favorite superhero. Mm -hmm. uh, all time favorite comic, all time favorite comic book character. So uh, the the minute I saw that, yeah, Superman too. I definitely got to talk Superman. <laughs> Good. And, you know, Rob, I think most people know about what you do on podcasting. You do the Cinema Drunkies podcast. You've been on Schlock and All. You're in this Discord chat where, you know, it's like Superman and Friends where we just kind of chill out in a Discord chat and talk about mm. the state of podcasting. <laughs> um, uh, but And then you also do um, the Statham uh, podcast as well. I mean, you're just constantly busy guy, but you know, for those who maybe haven't checked out your work, I mean, can you talk about that a little bit? Like you're, you're like, you know, you're called the cinema drunkie, which is honestly super cool. Uh, and I like Thank it a you. lot. Yeah. But like, you know, tell some of these younger peeps that are like, you know, who's the cinema drunkie? Does he actually drink on the podcast? He's already had like his third gin and tonic in front of me on recording. Like this guy is plastered. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I am the cinema drunkie. That that definitely came from uh, the whole thing. Uh, I mean, it's a double entendre. It means that I'm drunk off cinema, but also I am literally drunk as as I. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I just uh, out there doing my thing uh, with the cinema drunkies. We're on hiatus right now as uh, I figure some things out, but we'll come back shortly. Wrath of Stave will be coming out shortly. I just got to stop being lazy and edit the episodes I already did recorded before I start releasing them. I, I, know, I know I got you pegged for a guest appearance on that one, and we'll, we'll definitely get to that. Mm -hmm. um, I also, uh, in the meantime, put out uh, a new podcast uh, that I got going on called You Could Have Been a Blood Fist Movie, where we discuss action movies, and then we will break down with um, whether, without as little changes as possible, could it have been a part of the Bloodfest series of movies that starred uh, martial arts action icon Don the Dragon Wilson? Um, I'm really excited about that because uh, I literally came up with that idea for that podcast as a joke. And then the more I thought about it, the more I fell in love with the idea. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm doing this. Uh, we have one episode out right now. Um, it's done really well so far, that episode. Um, I had... Um, some family issues to take care of uh, in the meantime. So I haven't been able to record new episodes yet, but uh, I will shortly get some on there. We've got some 
people are amazing people already lined up to do that and uh yeah uh and besides that uh i i, I do uh uh reviews on the side like you know, i write reviews for um multitude of uh sites like um ultimate action movies.com uh film combat syndicate and uh like yeah that's just my thing i just like talking about movies and just being out there that's that's always been my thing ever since i was a kid just talking about movies Oh, dude, when I listen to your podcast and I've listened to uh, the Wrath of Statham podcast a little bit, and I, I like it too. I never thought that I would like be involved with people who are such action movie fans and buffs, like mm-hmm. martial arts action movies. And because uh, like, honestly, the only action movies I was growing up watching were really just like Kung Pao and like Last Action Hero. Like those were like my two big action movies growing up and like sci-fi yeah. so it's like you it's like michael scott uh i guess matt bledsoe is kind of his own like action junkie fan too and yeah. uh uh it, 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 you're doing all these other works which i think are really cool like i think it's hard enough like you know i totally get the hiatus and stuff with podcasting uh but you like manage other podcasts and stuff it's like i mean if i were going to start another podcast it probably be called like the porn supremacy where i just talk about like porn parody movies honestly <laughs> you know and just i would just host it with anthony king maybe and michael scott and we just get drunk and talk about pirates to stagnetti's revenge because i just can't get away from sequel movies yeah uh, <laughs> mike mike is a really big fan of that <laughs> i need to see his uh i need to see his letterbox review of it before i ever ask him to be on that one uh <laughs> Uh, but I, and I'm really excited, uh, you know, to see what more you're going to do with podcasting, but I'm mostly excited because even though we're in the same discord chat and, and we talk and we have mutual friends and stuff like that, I actually have never known. What are your thoughts on sequels? My guy, like you're the first time guest per tradition this podcast. I got to ask, like, are you a fan of sequel movies? I mean, do you have some favorites of you? Like you want to shout out, you know, or defend, or if you absolutely hate them, you're just doing this as a courtesy, Matt, mutual oh. respect, man. I mean. Oh sure, I love sequels. I absolutely love sequels. Um, I've been a fan of uh, sequels. Like you know, when when you're a kid, uh, like me growing up, like you see a film and you love it. You, you know, when's part two? Like I'm still clamoring <laughs> for uh, Tango and Cash two, uh, which uh, we'll we'll probably know. Yeah, yeah. Stallone wants to do it, but I know Kurt Russell's like, dude, we're so old. Let's, let's just not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love sequels. Like favorites. Um, uh, do I do I have any favorites? Like I, I'm a big defender of Halloween Four. Uh, Halloween Four is one of my all-time favorite sequels, as well as Phantasm Two. Is is a oh. sequel. I, I would go the Evil Dead Two, of course. You gotta throw it in mm-hmm. the greatest sequels ever. Um, sequels I hate will always be Halloween Five. I I hate <laughs> that movie. I I loathe that movie with a vengeance. I uh, I did a a, a podcast um uh a Sledgehammer Horror. My my friend Kenny Sledge. Uh, he's got a show called uh, My First Horror Movie. And uh, fortunately, Halloween Five was actually my first horror film. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I. I, I saw it when I was five, and I was like, oh, this is great. And then I watched it as an adult. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the worst fucking thing I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I completely eviscerated it. I, I'm more than happy 
to eviscerate Halloween 5 on any show if anyone asks me. So if, if you hate Halloween 5 and you just want to talk shit about it, call me. Call me because I love shitting on that movie. I hate that movie so much. Also, Wait, Rob, uh, are you one of those blokes who like bought the Halloween 5 Screen Factory Deluxe Edition that recently no, came out too? No, oh. no, no. So you no, do have like some every, respect. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was like, oh, but they got that new footage. What was it? The, the Dr. Death or whatever. It was. I don't care. I do not care. I don't care what footage they find in that. I, I'm never watching that other thing. <laughs> I had, I rewatched it for that show and uh, I was I was just like, damn it for me. You need to rewatch this movie again because I hate it. I hate it. Um, Speed 2 is another one I hate. Um, oh, Speed 2. Speed 2. That's what I'm trying to like work up the courage because I love the first Speed movie. But it's like, I don't know if I need to watch the second, but you know. You don't, you don't. You, you absolutely <laughs> do not need to watch it. It's awful. Me, me and uh, my co-host on Cinema Junkie, uh, my brother from another Mac, the All-Star, uh, he hates that movie too because Speed is one of his all-time favorite movies. And we talked about Speed 2 on there and we just completely blew the shreds. What's funny is, though is that uh, during our first season, we talked about Speed because Speed is both me and his one of our all-time favorite movies. And we talked about Speed 2 for five minutes and how much we hated it. And people liked that episode, but they enjoyed the five minutes we talked about Speed 2. It was like, yeah, you should do a whole episode. And we like, we don't want to. We absolutely don't want to. But everybody was just like, no, no, you should do it. You should do it. And we're like, fine. Here it is. Now leave us the fuck alone. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Doug McCambridge episode I usually record with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Like, I don't know. Like... <laughs> Yeah, Halloween five. I mean, part of this podcast is was was because I love horror movies, and obviously there's so many freaking crazy sequels and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, this would be a good Twitter question to answer. What was like the first sequel movie like you remember watching? Because like for me, it's like two different movies. The first one is Nightmare on Elm Street one and two. Like, well, it's, I guess it's three movies, but it's Nightmare one and two. Like I watched them in the same day. I remember when my mom put it on, mm-hmm. and the second one. Oddly enough, I can't remember if it was Scarecrow, like Lester, the Scarecrow, like this early 2000s movie, or it was um, the Blair Witch Project 2, Book of Secrets or whatever. Yeah. Because, you know, fuck my childhood. So (laughs) (laughs) that's everything you need to know about this podcast. Uh, That's the origin roots. but no, man. So, I mean, you talk about like you like action movies, like horror movies, too. I mean, do you remember like growing up, you said you're from Brooklyn and stuff, yeah. right? I mean, what mm-hmm. was that like with movies? Like, I can only imagine like grow. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest in Il- northern Illinois and like the theaters we had were like a five dollar Tuesdays theater in like a big chain AMC. Um, and, and that was about it, but we mostly, we hoarded everything at family video. That's just how we did. I mean, what was it like for you with like movies? I love asking first time guests, like how, how do you, what, what was movies for you? Like, why do you love them? Well, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to grow up with two parents who were big movie fans, especially my mm. dad. Um, my, my father, he loves movies. He, um, he had a big, uh, VHS collection that I would just go through and just watch movies. Um, also, I grew up in the I grew up in the Bushwick section of Brooklyn, and then the, the the neighborhood I grew up in was a pretty big, uh, like, film fan kind of neighborhood. 
Like, we had a local theater, Ridgewood Movie Theater. It's now closed, unfortunately. But um, it was in uh, pretty much walking distance to, like, Mops, where we could walk there. And um, when I was able to, they would allow me to, my parents go to the movies by myself. I was at the theater every week, whatever. So um, I was I was free to watch whatever went on. My parents didn't really, like, uh, kind of, like, keep me from watching anything. Like, the stuff if it was, like, stuff, like, concerning, like, nudity and all that stuff. Like, I, I always mention this, but it, I always found it weird that they had um, concerns of me watching stuff like Natural Born Killers and... Uh, <laughs> you know, all kind, of, all kind of movies, but they were perfectly fine with me watching like RoboCop and Total Recall. And know, uh, I could, I couldn't watch Sex or Boobs, but uh, I, it was perfectly fine for me to watch uh, uh, Alex Murphy get eviscerated uh, by shotguns. <laughs> just, just you know, it, it was just, it was just the weirdest thing. Like they didn't have no problem with that, but uh, yes, uh, bo- boobies were no no. Um, <laughs> So that's, so that's awesome. yeah, that's that's why um, I I have a particular thing for movies with like uh, like that just have bloody action in it. <laughs> so because like mom, mom and pop was just like yeah, yeah, yeah. I I want to watch RoboCop. Yeah, sure, we'll put on RoboCop for you. So <laughs> I I, I want to watch Showgirls. No, no, you can't watch Showgirls. But RoboCop is fun. <laughs> yeah, you were you were honestly Paul Verhoeven's like target audience. Like he tried to give real you all in young. It's probably what yeah. it was. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, I love when people like, especially like Matt Bledsoe. Now that I'm thinking about, it, which is funny, you and Matt Bledsoe had very crazy uh, childhoods where you were growing up watching RoboCop and he was growing up watching Blade. Um, I'm assuming you dressed up like Alex Murphy in RoboCop as he dressed up as Blade as a kid. No, like I, oh. I never actually dressed up like uh, Alex Murphy. Um, probably dressed up like Robocop. Yeah, I think it's so interesting because, like, when Daniel was a kid, I'm pretty sure he like loved Batman as a kid, and he dressed yeah. up like as the Joker, and he loved Dracula. He dressed up like Dracula, and like when I was a kid, I dressed up like <laughs> I dressed up like Freddy Krueger. I dressed up like Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. I dressed up as a simp one year too because I like simps. Uh, and I think it's just so cool. Like the movies we watch, we kind of like to mimic as a kid and they kind of like influences our tastes when we grow up, mm-hmm. um, which is funny. And I get always so jealous of people like you and Matt Bledsoe and others who like, who grew up watching um, RoboCop because RoboCop is one of those movies now where it has a place in my heart because I just watched it in the last year or two for the first mm-hmm. time ever. And I watched wow. all three and it's like, that's uh, one of those few goaded trilogies, man, where it's like, I'm just kind of like... Oh, you I watched wish... RoboCop 3? Oh. I own RoboCop 3 on Scream Factory. Oh, man. That's a... that's a, a Me and Mac discussed RoboCop 2. Well, we discussed RoboCop in the first season, and then uh, the last episode we did before we went on hiatus was actually RoboCop 2. And um, we discussed on there uh, that we, we never... No matter how many people beg we will never talk about because we dislike that movie so much robocop 3 <laughs> is the one where it's kind of like okay okay like we're, we're done we're done you know but i do have it on screen factory slipcover so you know Ooh. for those boutique label guys who like buying the movies and ever watching it i got it with a slipcover um 
yeah. but yeah robocop totally cool I, I i grew up watching terminator and predator i'm just a big arnold guy growing up but uh, oh yeah i mean who was it right so it's, yeah, turning, absolutely. I, it's like mike scott right now is like all right cool now where's the donnie yen talk and you know, <laughs> 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 but so you you talked about how you, Superman's your favorite comic book character and it's your favorite superhero. What was it with Superman that was that for you? Because I mean, it, I, I had a hunch, but I wasn't sure, but like Superman's your favorite superhero, superhero Superman is my favorite superhero too. And it's mostly because the Christopher Reeves movies It's outside of that, maybe the animated series and then Brandon Roth. Um, that was my big thing growing up. Uh, what was this for Superman for you? Because usually I, when I talk to a lot of people in, it's super it's when it comes to superheroes it's either like wolverine or it's like batman you know you don't get too many supermans you know i mean at least not anymore i feel like yeah uh, yeah I, I grew up like that too you know loving Superman, uh and i will always uh get into it with kids who's like favorite character like spider-man superman sucks spider-man is better um I, in fifth grade, I, I was in there with a bunch of boys who love Spider-Man and uh, Nova, and uh, like, and Nova, who's a Marvel Comics character. Like, I never understood, and it was just like when I found out, I was like, "You mean this guy who's just discount Green Lantern <laughs> is is who y'all sitting there thinking is better than Superman?" Okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, let me just leave that alone. Open a big can of worms, and I'm just gonna. Just talk about your childhood bullying. Really <laughs> totally. Like, you know, I got bullied for loving Superman. Um, <laughs> you know what's funny? I oddly relate to that because there was this kid in my class in fifth grade who was constantly bragging about how cool Spider Man was. And it's only because Spider Man's sarcastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I, I think it's like the, the big difference between the two characters is that, like, you know, Spider Man is like a. I like to call a perfectly imperfect character where he's just like instantly relatable, you know, because, you know, he, he deals with these kind of hardships, you know, juggling his job and his superhero career and his love life, school. And, you know, you can relate to that, you know, whereas Superman, he's like the perfect superhero, you know, he's righteous. Um, he's, he's all good. And he has all the powers, you know, flight, mm -hmm. super strength, super speed. Uh, he's got heat vision. He's got that uh, cold breath of his. He's got super hearing. And, you know, you, that's the, the kind of hero you aspire to be. You aspire to be Superman. Like, if, if anybody had real superpowers, they'd most likely end up like Spider-Man, just, like, completely fucked up in life. But uh, <laughs> you, you, you aspire to be Superman, you know, because Superman is perfect. In every way, you know, there's nothing um, flawed about him, uh, you know, like whether it's just his character or his abilities. He's just a perfect hero, you know, and just I think that's what I and his fans love about him is just that he's just perfect, you know, like he's the guy you want to be if you were ever a superhero yourself. And, you know, I dreamed of being a superhero. You know, as as a kid, you know, I dressed up as Superman many times for Halloween as a kid. Like, I, I had so many 
versions of Superman costume over the years from like three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever. Um, I was I was Superman so many times probably. And it's just because that's the guy I want to be. I want to be Superman, you know? And yeah, that's that's the best way I could put it. You know, he's a flawless superhero and he's the guy you want to be like if you were ever a superhero yourself. And yeah, he's perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. in my opinion. No, I agree. I mean, he fights for truth justice in the American way. I mean, yeah. his co- his costume getup is awesome. I oh, think yeah. Superman's more fascinating as you get older because, like, you know, you can see other things that you wouldn't notice as a kid. Like, he's an alien, you know, but he's defending, um, you know, the good of people and, like, you know, fighting for all these great things. Um, and in some, especially in the world we live in today, we could use some sort of, like, Superman, you know? Like yeah. this, like you said, perfect being who knows right from wrong um, and helps people. And honestly, I love Henry Cavill's Superman and I love the Snyderverse and everything in that sense, you know, a lot of great yeah. fan service and good, you know, Superman moments. And in, in, in the animated series, the voice actor for Superman was cool. And I liked the portrayal of that Superman. Yeah. But like Christopher Reeves, kind of embodies like that whole sense of who Superman is when he portrays Superman in the first, those first four movies. Yeah. And I don't know. It's kind of like when you watch Rocky, I don't know. It's weird. Like Stallone is like the perfect Rocky. Like he's the perfect underdog and you root for him and he comes from, you know, and he becomes a champ and he's, he's, he's good hearted, good intentioned and still all these good things happen to him. It's kind of like that with Superman too. Like, I mean, Christopher Reese portrays him as like this flawless being who like, you know, knows what's right from wrong and understands like middle America and, you know, mm-hmm. in an old traditional sense in that way. Yeah. Um, and I've always kind of liked that. I don't know why I just, I always have um, rewatching the movies, the first two movies for this podcast. Uh, I mean, some things didn't age as well as I'd hope, but like, there's some things where it's like, man, I can't imagine superhero movies today having anything like what's in Superman one and two. And I think it's sorely missed in some capacities. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah. I definitely agree with you that uh, there, there are one or two things that have not aged well, uh, like things I have a problem with, especially in Superman two, I have uh, uh, issues with uh, a sp- one particular scene, which uh, I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll get to um, during the course of this discussion. But, um, oh, we're talking, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, like, but where Christopher Reeve is just like, where it's like, there have been so many good portrayals of Superman over the years, you know, in the course of his existence. Especially like, you know, not just live action, but the animated, like you mentioned, the Superman animated series, Tim Daly is uh, his his portrayal of Superman is fantastic. Um, I, uh, I, particularly like everyone like even dean kane like people should have dean kane like i don't think he's particularly good superman like i, I feel like he doesn't have like an authoritative presence mm-hmm. when he's in the suit but he's a damn good clark kent like mm-hmm. i would go to bat for dean claims clark kent uh he he's uh an absolutely fantastic clark kent uh also want to mention kirk allen who was the first live action superman because people always seem to forget kirk allen uh he plays superman in uh the, the adventures of superman serials Oh, um, I did. Back in, I forgot. Yeah, like people always uh, seem to forget to mention Kirk Allen. I'm just like, he, he played Superman. How could you forget? You know, because everybody always just goes to George Reeves. You know, and and I love George Reeves. Uh, 
uh, I, I love that show, The Adventures of Superman, uh, show from the 50s. And, um, but with Christopher Reeve, he just set the precedent for where it's like, like, this is where we go from here because he was the first one to differentiate between Clark and Superman because the, the issue with a lot of Superman portrayals before then was that there was no real difference between Clark and Superman because, you know, Clark is the alter ego. Like, you know, as he's, you know, the mild-mannered reporter from Daily Planet. And, you know, Superman is basically who he really is, kind of per se. Um, Chris, Christopher Reeve was the first one where he showed this difference. You know, where he's kind of like, you know, meekish, clumsy, uh, uh, nerd, if you will. And like Superman, he's this all right, you know, character. And like, there's that wonderful scene after like um, uh, his his flight with uh, Lois in in the first Superman, where uh, after he returns to the place and he comes back as Clark, and she goes to get changed so her him and Lois could go out. And when she goes into the room, like you know, he's got the you know the, the drop shoulders and like, come on, Lois, we get, we got to go out to our date. And when she <laughs> leaves, he just he just stands straight up. And takes off the glasses and it's just like that's literally all he did was just stand up straight but like you see the complete difference in the two portrayals of you know it's the same guy but like he's playing two different personas of this this one individual and it's a wonderful thing and that like that moment right there is what set the precedent for like all um superman portrayals to follow where you just mm -hmm. you know like they're it's one guy, but they're two different personas. They're two different people, you know, in the sense of like, it, like he was the first person to make you believe why people can't figure out that this is the same guy because everybody's always like, oh, um, he's just wearing a pair of glasses. How could they not tell? Well, look, look how Christopher Reeve do it. Like you look at him as Clark, and it's like well, this guy can't be man. He's just a or schmo, you know. Like mm -hmm. look at him, he's a dweeb. But like it's it's just wonderful. It's, it's this wonderful thing, and it's just like he, he kind of he kind of ruined it for everyone portraying Superman afterwards because everybody's like, well, you're good, but you're not as good as Christopher Reeve, mm -hmm. you know. And, and it's just that that's the mark he made, like you know, where everyone else before him is obsolete, and everyone after him bears his mark, you know. And that's the beauty of Christopher Reeve's portrayal as Arcane Superman. Yeah, it, I agree, dude. Um, he just fits the suit so well, and he just he plays both roles so well too. Um, Henry Cavill is an um, awesome Superman. I yes. love Man of Steel. Yes, but like what's his Clark Kent? You know, it just really isn't one. Yeah, um, I, I I think not to cut you off, but I I think with Henry Cavill is that well more or less with Snyder's portrayal mm -hmm. is that. They're mostly focusing on Kal-El, you know, mm -hmm. like who Superman essentially really is. He's Kal-El from The Last Son of Krypton. And it's more about him and like, you know, and almost like Superman and Clark take a back seat to like the portrayal of Kal-El as a character because they, they want to, um, because the, the biggest problem with Superman as a character that most people have that I've seen being a fan of him for so long is that they find him unrelatable because he's so good, you know, because he's so pure. It's just like they kind of find that, uh, no pun intended, alienating. 
Mm-hmm. In a way, it's just like, I, I can't get into this guy because he's not flawed. So I, I think what Snyder was, was, was doing was trying to bring him, like, we all want to be Superman. And this is Superman being us, being a flawed human uh, character, you know, who just have, like, the weight of the world on their shoulders. And, and I, I, I had no problem with that portrayal. Like, a lot of people obviously did. <laughs> you know, they're, they're still fucking uh, ripping uh, Man to Steel, Man to Steel to shred. But uh, I had no problem with that. You know, simply because Superman has been uh, a character for, like, 80-something years now. Like, however long Superman's been out. And right. it's like, we, we've seen him portrayed one particular way for all those years. Like, it's nice to see... Uh, differentiation of, of him from uh, every, every every now and then instead of just seeing him just as the same um, big blue boy scout. So I had no problem with uh, Henry Cavill as Superman at all. No, I didn't either. I like that Man of Steel movie a lot. Like I know yeah. it, it, I think a lot of people have problems with that one. But yeah, I, I mean, I have a Henry Cavill figure. Like I like that. Just it, I mean, I wish I still kept my childhood Brandon Roth figure I had as well. But um, yeah. But yeah, you're totally right. I think Superman 78, I really like. It's a different type of superhero movie. Um, but like, I mean, some parts of it doesn't age well. It's a little cheesy, quote unquote, but it's a little corny, like people say. But I still like it. I like the origin aspects of it. Yeah. I think it's a mess at the end, mostly because of production reasons, if anything yeah. else. Yeah, I don't yeah. the movie for it. Um. And also Marlon Brando saying Krypton is awesome. <laughs> you know, like, like you get Russell Crowe, I mean, which is great in the Snyderverse, but like Marlon freaking fucking Brando is in this movie and Gene Hackman. Mind you, it's Marlon Brando, then Gene Hackman, and then Christopher Reeve, who's the lead in this movie, is the, how the title card goes for the introductions. Like, that's unheard of, I feel like, in movies now. It's always the star lead, you know? But, like, right. Marla Brando, who's just a floating head most of the time. <laughs> and then Gene Hackman, who's... I mean, for the main villain, he's hardly in the these movies. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, and plus, Marla Brando got top billing, and he's only in it for, like, 10 minutes. Well, I would say 15 minutes, because you do have the floating head. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Gene Hackman, because, you know, Gene Hackman, a uh, huge star at that time, just won, uh, not too long ago, prior to that, won the Oscar for the uh, French Connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Christopher Reeve was an unknown, so I was like, yeah, we're not going to put this unknown guy above uh, Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman. <laughs> now, now, nowadays, you know, superhero movies, uh, Christopher Reeve would have got top billing, and it would have been... <laughs> With Gene Hackman and Marlon Brando, and mm-hmm. uh, and you know in the credits uh, on the poster, and it would have been just a, a bunch of big fucking bodies piled together. That's how they love doing superhero posters. Oh now. my god, the whole horror, the whole vertical posters are the. It's like the worst thing for movies now. I hate it. Yeah, I hate it too. It's just like it's just everybody just fucking a collage of people piled together, and it's like. And, and you look at that, that teaser poster for the first Superman, and it's just literally just clouds with the, the red, uh, blue, and yellow streak and the, mm-hmm. the silver uh, Superman symbol. You'll believe a man could fly. And that's all you needed. That's all you needed to sell this movie. You didn't need uh, Christopher Reeve and Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman and Margot Kidder and who else? Uh, uh, Jackie Cooper and 
um, Ned Beatty all on the fucking poster just smushed together in the middle of it and just a bunch of bullshit just uh, behind them. You, you didn't need that. You didn't need it. Oh, that's all you needed to sell this movie. And you uh, had the uh, director of the fucking Omen as well, director, directing it. Like, I mean, we could do a whole podcast that was about Richard Donner's career. But like, oh, I yeah. mean, uh, watching the Omen and then three years later or two years later, then you get Superman, a superhero movie. <laughs> yeah. Which is... I, I- which is written by Mario Puzo, who wrote the Godfather book. Like, what the hell? I never noticed that growing up until like I rewatched both of these movies. I was like, what the hell? This guy was writing this the movie, the book to the movies for the Godfather one and two and three. Like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, yeah. But I, I gotta get you gotta give credit where credit is due because you you know you do have all these names, Mario Puzo and uh, uh, David and Leslie Newman and Robert Preston, who, who like are credited on the script, but originally, uh, really, it was written by Tom Mankiewicz, um, who uh, was brought in by Richard Donner because he trusted him to, to to do it, but they wouldn't give him writing credit, so he got creative consultant credit, and he's the one who originally really put the script together, you know. But like, I, I guess, like, yeah, like, in order to like make the movie seem more um enticing than ever you, you put mario puzo the writer of the godfather in the, the writing credits and people are like oh my god the guy who wrote the godfather is writing superman and really it was it was just tom pankowitz who <laughs> wrote it you know but uh yeah um richard donner is definitely the reason that superman is the mecca of all superhero movies like tom feige you know guy turned Marvel Studios into like multi, multi, multi-billion dollar franchise. Uh, he says like, look, the blueprint is Superman, always, you know, um, watch Superman all the time, you know, whenever we do a superhero movie. Um, and, and that, that, because like, yeah, like you mentioned The Omen and Richard Donner had a long career television before that. Uh, he directed episodes of the Twilight Zone, uh, Danger Island, which was a, a segment on the, the Banana Split show. Um, and like, yeah, but uh, he did The Omen. It was a big hit. And they were looking for directors and they couldn't find one. So they were like, hey, this guy just had a big hit. Let's, 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 let's ask him if he wants to do Superman. And the beauty about that was that he was a fan of comics. And uh, he, he grew up reading the comics as a youngster. And he was reading the scripts and he was just like, oh, this is terrible. This is going to fucking, you know, ruin Superman, you know, make him like bullshit. So like he took the job, not necessarily because he wanted to make the movie, because he felt like he had to protect Superman for being ruined by somebody else who take it and didn't understand. You know, like uh, I remember seeing an interview where he said um, Superman was part of uh, uh, American Icona. You know what I'm saying? He was as American as... Uh, apple pie, ham and cheese sandwiches, you know, Mickey Mouse, mm-hmm. you know, and he was just like, he wanted to portray that, you know. <clears throat> so he went about like, you know, like before that, people wouldn't think of superhero movies just being like campy stuff. Like, you know, before that, when you think superhero portrayals, you think of Batman 66, uh, you know, Adam West and Burt Ward. Which uh, in, in, in that show's defense, it, that show was supposed to be like that. 
Mm-hmm. People like, oh, it's so campy. I was like, yeah, it's supposed to be camp. That was that was the point. It was mm-hmm. like almost a comedic show. Um, but Richard Donner didn't want to do that. He wanted, you know, he said Superman deserves to be an epic, an epic Amer- uh, American epic, and that's exactly what he did. You know, and that's why that that film reigns supreme to this day. Where it was like people talking about their favorite superhero movies, Superman is definitely there. How could it not be? Because without Superman, we, we wouldn't get any of the you know like Kevin Feige. You know what I'm saying? Like people are like, oh, Marvel's the best. I'm like, yeah, but without Superman, you don't got Kevin Feige making these movies. Mm-hmm. You know, you, and you don't and, you don't even get Tim Burton's Batman in 1989. No. No, no, at all. You, you you do not because without Superman, you don't get that epic portrayal of Batman either. You get uh, um, uh, a remake of Adam West Batman for the silver screen. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you don't get like you know. No, we're gonna we're gonna make this epic. You know, like he was Richard Donner was the one that put out the the idea that superhero movies could be epic, taken seriously. You know. And, and that's the beauty, you know, that's the beauty of Richard Donner as a director, you know, God bless that man. Um, like mm-hmm. he's made so many great movies afterwards, you know, and uh, Lady Hawk, which was uh, one of my mother's ultimate favorites. Uh, just, just so many fantastic movies. The Goonies, of course, which was another one of my mother's ultimate favorites. Uh, yeah. She, 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 would, she would call me every time it was on screen, like, uh, <laughs> oh, look what I'm watching. The Goonies, and I'm like, Mom, I've only seen that movie a hundred thousand fucking times. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, but look at this yeah. part. Like, look mm-hmm. at Trump doing the Trump shuffle, and I'm just like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's still funny. I still laugh. You know, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I can't help it. The Trump stuff was still funny. It's just, you know, God bless Richard Donner. Yeah, you know, like that, that's, he's that's, like, that's yeah, he's just kind of like, uh, he's almost like a a little bit like a Rob Reiner type, you know, where like his movies you grew up watching and they're just so iconic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like, you know, and like, it's so varied too. Like to go from the Omen to, to uh, Superman, to Lady Hawk, uh, to Lethal Weapon, uh, like to Maverick, uh, Conspiracy Theory, like all all these things he's he's done over the year, like throughout the year, throughout his career. And, you know, like, he he was so varied. Like, he was so versatile. Just he he was one of the greatest directors ever. You know, just the the world is a sadder place that he's no longer with us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, we talk we talked at the beginning of the episode about like director's cuts and stuff like that. So, man, I think it's really cool, and I think Peter Jackson made it cool when directors have the task of directing not only the first movie, but the sequel and in Peter Jackson's case, the third movie kind of simultaneously all together. Yeah. That's what he was doing with Superman one and two. And yeah. I think when people watch Superman and they go, well, you know, there's some things that don't age well, it's a little corny and cheesy at times, but it's like some parts of that were probably meant for Superman two. And some parts of Superman two were meant for Superman one. You know, mm-hmm. like I read that Superman 2's script, like the ending, the third act was finished before even the fir- third act of the first movie. Yeah. Um, and then we talk about director's cuts now where, I mean, we're just off the heels of Thor, Love and Thunder. I don't know, Robbo, if you've seen it and what your thoughts are on it. But like, I mean, Taika said there was a four hour cut, you know, and people were like, where's the Taika cut? Where's the freaking, um, I, I, I don't what is the Suicide this. Squad? The, the, what's the freaking... <laughs> 
the, the oh the the, the the air cut the yeah, release the air is, cut yeah I caught it'd probably be the ass cut for all I care you know like I don't <laughs> need to see that David Ayer slander on this podcast but like I mean we talk I mean honestly director's cuts are kind of fun and they're kind of cool and sometimes they surpass the theatricals in some aspects yeah. I mean, yeah. personally, like I'd rather watch the um, the director's cut of Alien Three than the theatrical cut. I think um, Carmelita and I had talked about that in our podcast. I prefer the director's cut, Alien for Ridley Scott. I prefer the theatrical. It's yes. fun to watch the, the the director's cut, but it was purely promotion. The, some of those scenes don't really make sense in hindsight after the sequels came out. But you know, yep. that's just me. No, um, yes, yeah. I I definitely agree with you on that one. Um... Uh, Aliens as well, James Cameron mm-hmm. director's kind of Aliens as well is someone where it's like, yeah, I, I prefer the, the, the actual kind of Aliens like, the the, 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 the director's kind of Aliens is fine, but the, the actual cut is the one I go to um, yeah. Alien uh, Alien 3 I'm like okay um, it, it's I, I don't say this often because I, I always get like people just thinking of me absolutely fucking insane but <laughs> alien 3 is actually my favorite uh film in the alien franchise um Woo-woo! i love that man i love to hear that carvelita is gonna be like get me on some sort of podcast of robos right now i love that. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all for the alien 3 love but mm-hmm. um I, I actually like both versions equally uh i can't choose between them like i love the uh the assembly cut that, that they release, mm-hmm. you know, because I love seeing all the extra footage, but I love yep. the theatrical cut all the same. That that was the one I grew up on. I, I watched uh, the theatrical cut of Alien 3 religiously as a kid, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I I still watch it to the day. I have no problem watching either one. So, um, yeah, um, that that's my uh, that's my take on uh, director's cuts right there. Yeah, like, I, I mean, like, Snyder made it cool, and I think Snyder did did right by it as well but like i think people kind of forget like directors because you really just don't get unless you bought like a special features uh, or watch all the special features on like a bonus edition on a dvd or blu-ray i mean the prime example i mean for fuck's sakes i mean um oliver stone's alexander you know with like three fucking different cuts like director's cut ultimate cut final cut you know like the movie's oh, yeah. still kind of mid, kind of all right, you know, like regardless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, I think I think that was Ridley Scott's thing because Ridley Scott has how many cuts of Blade Runner? There's the theatrical <laughs> cut, then the, the original director's cut, and there's the international's <sighs> cut. Then uh, th- I know that there's like five cuts, and then there's yeah. like the last one was his final cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Ridley loves fucking with his movies. Um, God bless that man. I, I love yeah. Ridley Scott. God mm-hmm. bless him and his brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. God bless Tony all the way. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Like as you as you know, um, in our Twitter sphere of like uh, all of oh, us, yeah. uh, Tony Scott is just the king. Mm-hmm. You will not find like like you will find all the love of Tony Scott between us, and then um, uh, if you find somebody disparaging uh, Tony Scott, it is on site it is blood Seriously. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like just admit that you didn't watch true romance and top gun and you've lived under a rock for 30 plus years right. oh he's a he's a, he's another one with the director's cut because his director's cut of uh revenge um 
is another one. Um, uh, I forgot. I, it may have been Mike when we were talking about the the director's cut of Revenge. He asked me, and I was like, "I." That's another one. I love both cuts equally. I love the theatrical cut, and I love Tony's director's cut. Like the the funny thing about Tony's director's cut is. Tony's director's cut is actually shorter than the theatrical cut, where that one is uh, 121 minutes. Uh, Tony's director's cut is 108 minutes. You know, oh, he said, yeah, because he's like, I like pacing, you know, I, you know, I, you know over long shit doesn't really, you know, I'm, I'm not with that. I like movies being fast paced, you know, getting to the point. Mm, and it's like, of course. That's why we love you, Tony. <laughs> of course. It's like he likes his stuff short and sweet. And then really Scott's like, well, you know, what if I stretch it out an extra 25 minutes, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Another another director's cut we should mention before we move on is uh, Ridley Scott's cut of uh, Kingdom of Heaven. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that uh, nobody watches that theatrical cut. You either watch his director's yep. cut or the, the roadshow version. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Like uh, I have a I have a, a buddy um, named Matt Curioni. Um, uh, you you mentioned you watched Kingdom of Heaven. Which version you watch? And I was like, it better be the Roadshow version. I was like, is there any other version? Watch? <laughs> Honestly, Kingdom of Heaven, like Troy. I don't think it's enough love. I think those are like movies. I think that kind of age as time goes on because we don't get movies like that anymore. The closest oh, yeah. thing you get is oddly enough um you know like direct to dvd and video uh, or stream like um like sword and sandals like on netflix with um the king with timothy chalamet or when yeah. michael fassbender did the centurion you know yeah. or sean bean's the black death um i'm trying to think of others because i love movies like this oh tanning tatum's the eagle is one um yeah. ironclad is one i like to shout out as well with rooney mara yeah. and um no not rooney mara but uh, Paul Giamatti's in it. But yeah, I like to shout those movies out. Also, prerequisite for film, film film Twitter people. I find it really suspicious or sus if like people are like, oh yeah, I love action movies or I like Tony Scott movies or whatever. And if you haven't seen Man of Fire, mm-hmm. I think that's really sus. Like I don't see a lot of people talk about Man of Fire, but man, that movie is heat. No pun intended, but. No, know. absolutely. 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 I remember seeing that in theaters and, crying at the end. Mike is, 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 is actually a big supporter of the director's cut of that one. He's like, it's so much, it's so much better because it has a better ending. And I'm just like, I, like that's another one was just like, I don't, I don't care. Like with the theatrical cut of directors, just give me Man of Fire. I don't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know what yeah. That, that movie's yeah. so amazing. It is really good. I don't get it. I don't see it talked about enough. Um, but also, like, you get director's cuts where you're kind of like, ah, like Ari Aster's Midsommar, you know? Like, people were yeah. wanting that. I'm like, why? Like, why do we need that? The movie was long enough. Um, <laughs> but when we talk about director's cuts, I don't think much can compare to what the Donner cut and then um, the Lester cut. Very different because very different situation. A lot of these director's cuts is they direct these movies and they have extra scenes and they hope to get them in and they submit it to an editor or producer and they're like, no. Yeah. But like the Donner cut, the man got fired <laughs> like 70% of the way of this movie because budgeting and timing. I mean, they asked him to direct both movies back to back. I mean, come on, you know? Yeah. New Line Cinema gave Peter Jackson whatever the fuck he wanted. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is 78 to 79. I mean, I can only imagine what the work environment was. Um, I know Margot Kidder. I mean, the reason she's not big in Superman three is because she was on Donner's side after she got, he got fired and nobody yeah. really fucked with Lester. I think the Lester cut is the one that's usually shown on TV, which yeah. I didn't, obviously I watched that one more growing up, but I remember watching the Donner cut a few times because I remember, um, I mean, the big difference is honestly when Superman says, excuse me, Zod, haven't you heard of the freedom of the press? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like I remember that one versus the, excuse me, general care to step outside. You know, that's the big difference I would say. Yeah. Um, but on rewatch, I totally got confused because I forgot the ending to Superman one is that he turns back time to save yes. uh, Lois Lane. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that's in Superman two. Like, I don't think that's in Superman one. And then it's like, oh, no, it isn't Superman 1. And it's also in Richard Donner's cut of Superman 2. Yes. Be- because, it, yeah, I mean, you know. Go ahead. Yeah, that was that was the original ending. The, mm-hmm. the, 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 you know, because both movies were being made at the same time. They were scripted at the same time. The original ending to Superman 2 was Superman turning back time to make Lois forget uh, that he was Superman. But uh, they... they, they, they you know, like they're shooting these movies simultaneously, you know, because because people get confused because they're like, oh, they shot them back to back. They, they did not shoot them back to back. Like you said, they shot them at the same time. They would shoot like scenes from Superman 1 and they would shoot scenes from Superman 2, like, you know, just going back and forth between them. And then they were they it was originally supposed to come out in summer of 78, but because um, t- because of time constraints, they had to push it back to christmas of 78 and they was like all right let's just stop shooting uh superman 2 and just focus all our efforts on finishing superman 1 and he was like okay and then uh he did that and it was successful and they said okay kid we don't need you anymore you're fired and then they brought in richard lester who um to, to to let you know why you know not you but particularly the audience know that Richard Lester got Richard Lester got credit because um, directors guild rules you have to shoot fifty one percent of footage in order to get credit as a director, and that's exactly what he did. He like he shot fifty one percent of the this is why he got credit for the movie, you know. But the reason his cut is still great is because he was he had he was going off off the back of what Donner had already done. And he was just like adding his own stuff to it. You know, that's why the movie's still great. And then like when you go to Superman three, but he's fully in control of that. He directed hundred percent of the footage and you were like, Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I you mean, know. Richard Pryor could only do so much. Right. But I I don't hate Superman three as much as everybody else does. Um there, there's a lot of there, there, there's a lot of good stuff in Superman 3. Like, the, the comedy is awful in that film. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff. Um, which leads me to my problems with su- the first two Superman movies. Is um, I mean, it's not really a problem. But, like, it's, it's just an observation I have, which I feel is actually solved in Superman 3. But nobody gives a shit because everyone hates Superman 3. Not as much as they hate Superman 4, but right. a lot of people hate Superman 3. Is that... Um, Superman as a character is selfish. 
like uh, you, you have that moment in Superman when he's talking to Jonathan Kent, played by the, the great Glenn Ford, and he's talking about how, like, you know, I got to play, like, the, the water boy, you know, and I could easily, you know, be a football player, and I know I could get a touchdown every time. And it's like, son, you're, you're meant for greater than that. Like, you know, don't worry about just being a football player. You're meant for greater with your abilities and all that stuff. And, like, that's, like, you know, the sign of his selfishness. Like we're, and then like when he's talking to the to, to Rel and he's like you know, uh, you know I deserve a life you know like uh, after all I've done for the the people of this planet you know I deserve to have my own life, and um, where I feel it's solved in uh, Superman three is when his character turns dark when he's affected mm-hmm. by the the dark kryptonite and he becomes he becomes completely selfish he's like oh, I don't save people anymore you know I'm just gonna have fun and do bullshit I'm gonna blow out. The Olympic torch, and uh, I'm I'm just gonna do whatever, and then he has to fight himself in order to kill that dark persona. He has to kill that selfish side of him, you know. And I like the fact that it's Clark that has to do it because you know he, he's essentially Clark Kent at this point. Mm-hmm. And after he defeats Dark Superman, he truly becomes selfless, heroic Superman. You know, um, that's how I look at that movie. But nobody cares because everyone hates Superman three, you know. But um, that you know, going back to the, the 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 filming schedule, like I can't imagine what a headache that must have been for Richard Donner to be shooting two movies at the same time, and then like the the heartbreak to, to have to feel that after the first film comes out and it's a big success, and like you're you're expecting to come back and finish Superman two, and they're like, no, you're fine. You're fine, bro. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to bring in our own boy and uh, to hell with you. And, and like, you know, he was bitter for many years after that, you know, where when they basically put uh, this version together, the Donna cut, and they were like, uh, oh, you know, uh, uh, dealing with the footage. He was like, uh, you know, as long as I don't have to deal with the Lester footage. Um, that's fine. I, I, I don't want to watch it. I, you know, it, it was still so painful for him to have to relive those moments, you know. And it's just, it's, it's insane. It's insane that you, you know, put together this huge success and they fire you for it. They fire you for the film being successful. It's, it's fucking crazy. It's crazy to me. Yeah, and you hear about you know, problems on set and stuff like that. It's not like anybody had any problems. It's literally because he was over budget because, which they got the money back after the first movie anyway, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and it's not like movies, like, I mean, I don't know. It's weird with you watch Superman one, you know, you could easily see how it was a home run movie. And it's some of the scenes, that those movies are spliced together from things from Superman two, which I think is really interesting as well. It's like yeah. if you're watching a new hope and then things from empire strikes back are in there and then things from new hope are in empire strikes back. Yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. it still doesn't, cause I'm a big fan of Superman two. I watched the Donner cut. I really enjoyed it. I actually think Superman two is better than the first movie, the Donner cut. I think that one's better because you get more of Superman's like struggles yeah. Uh, like determining like what kind of hero he wants to be more than the first yeah. one. I also like Lois Lane in the second one more too. I mean, in the, I mean, the big difference between the, the Lester cut and the Donner cut. I mean, the big thing in this movie is Lois Lane coming to terms with who is Superman 
and figuring out if Clark Kent really is or not. And Clark deciding if he wants to be Superman or if he wants to be Clark Kent. And then you get General Zod, who was introduced in the first movie, which I think is awesome sequel setting before determining if the first movie is going to be successful or not. Yeah. Um, gets him and his followers get put into the Phantom Zone. They're gone. And then they show up again, depending on which version you watch. In the first one, I don't like the lesser cut opening um, to Zod in them. Um, I like the less, I like the, the daughter, excuse me, the daughter cut more where it shows what happens at the end of the first movie to show how it impacts the second movie. I think it's, yeah. excuse me, I think that's brilliant. Um, and, you know, Zod and his followers in the Donner cut, I think are way more moment are more way more menacing. I think the movie flows to bet. Like I watched Superman one the first night, and then Superman two Donner cut the next night, and um, you know, and I started watching a little bit of the 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 lesser cut in the first movie of the of the the Superman two's theatrical. I think the Donner cut just flows better personally. Yeah, and I and I totally prefer. I I mean, it's Marlon fucking Brando. I prefer Brando in Jor El as like yeah. the guiding voice in Superman two, just a little bit more. Um, I mean, God, how many times can you say Krypton? I mean, I love that <laughs> so much. Uh, I mean, that's like the big differences. Um, but I can't think of movies that are like that where it's like, you got to splice shit together and make a movie, you know, but Donner did that in 2006. And when Superman returns comes out, you kind of get a unofficial trilogy of sorts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it just it just flows better like uh, as almost one story uh the the superman and then the donner cut it it just it, like they feel like one whole story you know whereas lester's cut is just its own thing you mm-hmm. know like it's just own separate story um i mean you still have zod in there as the villain but like it, it's just completely separated like you know you have that separation there in Donner's cut is just we did get this one long complete story of like Superman, him coming to terms with his abilities, you know, like his purpose, you know, and, and his love for Lois Lane and, you know, his, and, you know, okay, so here's, here's the thing. Um, I'll, I'll just get into it. Uh, that's where Donner, I, I feel like kind of like, listen to me, about to tell a legendary director what he should have done. I don't necessarily think what he should have, but this is what I would have done. Is that there, there are moments that, that I have, like you said, there are cringeworthy moments. Um, the, the particular moment I have a problem with, though, which is in both versions, is uh, that diner scene. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> because, uh, of course, Superman gives up his powers. Mm-hmm. Because he 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 wants to be you know, uh, he he doesn't want this uh, responsibility you know because the quote uh, Uncle Ben with great power comes great <laughs> responsibility, mm-hmm. and you know he doesn't want the responsibility anymore. He just wants to be a normal guy you know. It's just uh, I want you know I love this woman. Uh, I, I want to be with her. Uh, in Les's version, it seems more like he wants to give up his power so they can fuck. Um, and I mean, Donna's birth- <laughs> yeah. probably and Donna's his first time having sex. I mean, yeah, I'm about to give it all up for sure. Right, right. That that is true. And Donna's version, it makes it clear he is he just wants to be a normal guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he just doesn't want 
it, uh, like, you know, this responsibility anymore. Morel's telling him, like, look, dude, you know, um, you have a purpose. You should use it. And he's like, no, man, you know, like, I want to be regular. I love this woman. Like, I just want to be a regular guy. And Jordan was like, all right, whatever. I don't care. So he gives <laughs> up He gives up his abilities. You know, they go to this diner uh, as a perfectly human couple. And then he gets into it with a bully in there and he gets his ass whooped. And this is where I have the problem. Like, this is where he realizes his mistake is that this this human guy just whooped my ass. You know, some trucker, some trucker asshole bully guy. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, man, oh, I wish I had my power so this wouldn't have happened. And it's like, that's what I was talking about, the, the selfishness of, of, of the, the character, where it's just like, this is where you realize, you start to realize your mistake. Obviously, the main point is when he realized Zod is on Earth and he's terrorizing everybody. Right, and it's just like, oh shit! Now I, I really know I made a mistake, but like originally it started with, I got beat up by this bully, and it's just like, yeah, no, I, I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. Um, it, it, it seems to me like, oh, this is you've realized your mistake because you, you couldn't withstand uh, getting your ass whooped by some guy, some regular human guy. I mean, like, the way I looked at it, it should have been more something like where maybe, like, after he goes into the bathroom and Lois is in there waiting for him to come back, like, some robbers come in. It's like two thieves come in. And they're like, hey, this is a stick-up. Everybody, get in, get, get on the floor. You know, give, us, give us your money. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, they move all the patrons to, to the middle. And Clark comes out, and he's just like, oh, shit, it's a robbery. Like, oh, shit, that's right. I'm not Superman anymore. I can't do anything. <laughs> so, but, like, he still knows right from wrong. And, like, you know, I got I to gotta stop these guys because, you know, I'm a hero. So, like, he tries to fight with one of the robbers. And, like, you know, the other, like, the like let's say the other patrons grab the other robber and they subdue him. But Clark is fighting with this other guy, the, the other robber. And let's say, like, like, shot goes off from his gun and it hits the waitress in her arm. Oh, like, I'm shot. And, like, and then, like, he's able, like, oh, no. And then he knocks the gun out of his hand. And then they fight. And that's when he gets his ass whooped. And then Lois picks up the gun. And she gumbutts the robber in the back of the head, like, subduing him. And, like, Clark is on the floor, like, oh, my God. Oh, man. Is everybody okay? And uh, the owner of the joint is like, no. Like, like she's hurt. You know, what are you doing? Like, you know, what are you, crazy? Like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, like, you know, she could have been killed. Who do you think you are, Superman? And that's where he should realize his mistake. Like, oh, shit, that's right. See, if I was Superman and I did keep my powers, I could have handled this with no problem. But, like, I gave up my powers, and this happened, and the lady got hurt, and, and it's, it's all my fault. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's all mm-hmm. my fault. And that, to me, is more in tone with, like, what the, the type of character Superman is than... Oh, I, I wish I had my power so I didn't get beat up by some asshole in a diner. Yeah. And like what makes it even worse is uh <laughs> then 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 he comes back later with his powers intact <sighs> to get petty fucking revenge on the the diner asshole. Like compare this to the scene in Man of Steel where um Clark stops the uh the 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 asshole drunk trucker from sexually harassing the girl. Yep. And like yep. he's like, hey, like, hey, get out of here! Like, and he pours beer on him, and mm-hmm. Clark just looks at him and he's like, you know, dude, I could pop you like a fucking balloon right now, mm-hmm. but that would be wrong, and I'm not gonna do that. 
What I am going to do is I'm going to go outside and take my frustrations <laughs> out on your truck. Yep. And, and like people and like I've seen people who hate that scene, like he destroyed that guy's livelihood. Well, he also stopped this guy from sexually harassing this woman and he stopped him from possibly drunk driving and like hurting somebody. Mm-hmm. So that's some heroic shit. And like compare that to the scene where <laughs> Clark comes back and he uses his abilities to 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 take petty revenge on this guy who beat him up because he didn't have his powers like he lets him punch him in the stomach as hard as he can knowing he has skin that is like steel a guy could have broken his hand then he puts him on the swivel chair and spins it around as fast as he could could have given that guy whiplash then he puts him on the the <laughs> the the, the, um, the stool the, the, yeah like no, no the yeah like he puts him on the stool spins him probably giving him whiplash then he puts him on like the 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 bar, yeah, the bar, and then sends him flying across it, ruin everybody's mute except that one guy that fucking who picks away. up the plate. Yep, yep, yeah, and sends him crashing into a pinball machine. You could have gave that guy lacerations on the back concussion, like you could have seriously hurt this guy, but that's fine because like yeah, Superman got revenge on the bully, but it's it's you know it's a problem when uh, he he takes his Superman and Man of Steel takes his frustrations out. On the truck, and Man of Steel, like uh, you know, I I just I, I you know, I don't have many problems with it, but like that's the problem I have because it's like I I just you know like and I know Richard Donner has said himself in the interview he like you know rewatching it there's some things I would have changed you know like, I was younger you know what I'm saying and I, it's hard for me to get in the headspace but I'm just like why did I do that and I'm wondering if that was one of the sequences where he was just like I would have done it differently. And I definitely would have done that differently if I were him. Yeah, it, and I totally agree. I think that's like an off scene, especially because it's at the very end of that cut, you know? Also, I find it really odd that Superman doesn't have post-nut clarity before he decides to turn into human. <laughs> like, I mean, come on, guy. Like, you know, just take a second before you do it. You know what I mean? His dad, right. like, come, he's like, Marlon Brand's like, bro, I don't know, man. Like... I knew you were going to do this, but like really think about it before you do it. <laughs> right. And the beauty of that, though, the beauty of the the, the, uh, the Donner cut is, you know, he realizes his mistake and he comes back and he's like, yeah, Pop, I fucked up, you know, and I'm sorry. And Jorah's like, I told you, but you know what? You're my son and I'm not going to let you hang out there where hang, let you hang out like that. So I'm going to give up my life essence. You know, saying so you could, you know, uh, uh, you know, completely do away with your mistake. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that's a beautiful scene, like you know, where like Joro, like you know, appears in front of like you know Marlon Brando, and like you know, my son. And it's just like, like yo, the, the it's crazy to think that because the Sultans were so petty, and that uh, oh we, we we include Marlon Brando, we would have to pay him so. Don't include no Marlon Brando footage. And it's like, like, because of that, you cut that scene out. And it's like the best scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, Brando doesn't like just take a paycheck in these Superman movies. Like he actually does some really good work in it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that scene right there, too. Like, it's just amazing. Like, you know, and you got John Williams score, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just comes up and like it's just a beautiful moment. Like I remember um, 
I, right after it came out, the Donner cut, um, my, my uncle Junior was no longer with us, God bless him. Uh, he was a huge Superman fan. The like DC Comics guys. I get my love of DC Comics characters from my uncle Junior. He um he was a huge fan of Superman too. Superman two was his favorite of uh, the Superman movies. And I was telling him about the Donner cut. And like, you know, in the Lester cut, he just finds the green crystal and then like when we see him mm. again, he's got his powers back. But I was telling yep. him like, no, 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 um in in the, the this new cut, we see what how it happens, you know, with Jorel, you know. And he was like, oh, yeah? Oh, I got to see that. I got to see that. And it's just like, yeah, like, you know, because you know the importance of that. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as far as the Superman mythos of Jor-El to give up his life essence, to give uh, uh, his son his powers back, is, is a beautiful moment, especially played by Marlon Brando. And they were just like, yeah, we don't want to pay Marlon Brando any residuals. Let's cut really? him out of this whole fucking thing. And it's not like he was even phoning it in. Like, he did such a good job. Right, right. Like, that, that's the beauty of Marlon Brando, like, because because Marlon Brando's like, I don't care, just give him my check. But like, he's such a great actor. It's just like, mm-hmm. even if he was phoning in, he's just so great that it's just, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's just, how could you cut this out, you pieces of shit? Right. Like, they essentially, <laughs> like, Wizard of Oz him in these two Superman movies, but like, it's a fucking great performance. Yeah. Um, with the floating headship. But, um, and you, you covered a good part because in the Donner cut, it's the Rob, it's the John Williams score. It's not um I forget the other composer who does the and Thorn. Thorn uh with an E at the end, I'm pretty sure. Um yes. he has a score. I don't know. I think the theatrical cut of Superman 2 is just a little bit more campy, you know, yeah. it's a little bit more of like a romantic comedy of sorts with some action. I feel like this the, the Donner cut's a little bit more like of a a hero action movie. I think Zod and Ursa. And um, I forget the big brute. I think they're non. more menacing. Don. Non. I think they're just more non. menacing. Dumb. No, no, no. Non. Oh, non. Because he doesn't talk. Yeah, he doesn't talk at all. Yeah. Uh, I just think they, like, they just seem more menacing. They're more of hard asses than anything else. Plus, you get more Gene Hackman in this cut, too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, because uh, shout out to Gene Hackman. He was, he was one of the MVPs, him and Margot Kidder. Um, did uh, Gene Hackman refused to come back and do any more scenes or re-record any of his lines because they fired Donna. Um, uh, Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder were essentially stuck, you know, but like they mm-hmm. punished her and the next one by like having her only be in there for like five minutes. Yeah, it does. It stinks. It doesn't age well. It's stupid. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Reeve was essentially the worst one because he was the one playing Superman. So. This is like he 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 just had to fucking deal with it, you know. But uh, uh, Margot Kidder and Gene Hackman were like, "Nah, fuck you. Uh, you, you, you fired our boy. You guys are fucking yeah. assholes." I swear, Warner Brothers loves to like make money, but also like hurt themselves at the same time. Oh, like, they're I swear the swear to God, they're the kings of shooting themselves in the fucking foot all the time. They like never they, they learn. <laughs> they do it all the time. They did it with this. Uh, they did it with uh. Um, the Batman movies, they did mm-hmm. it with Snyder, they did it with Green Lantern as well. They, They're they fucking w- it up with the Flash too. Oh God! I, 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 I mean, I think on recording, I don't think anybody knows where Ezra Miller is. No, no, nobody yeah. knows. Where Ezra if he Miller shows is. up in Chicago, he better know there's shooters on his six, like for sure. Like, don't no, worry. no, no, no. They're <laughs> they they are somewhere in Hawaii, just laying low and just like oh God. I, and it's like. He, <laughs> 
poor, poor Michael Keaton, you return to, to have to deal with this fucking mess. <laughs> <laughs> it just shows you like how like also I would I noticed this when watching the first Superman movie again. Um, I never realized how in close in relation um, George Lucas's Luke Skywalker um, beginning to Star Wars is so similar to Clark Kent's opening in Donner's 78 Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, small town kid who knows there's a bigger purpose with a father-like figure who kind of shows him the way. It kind of, at the end, you know, achieves some sort of greatness and then builds upon it. And is a little selfish and a little bit more whiny, not whiny, but of sorts like overconfident. Same thing like Luke Skywalker and Empire Strikes Back is. Yeah. Um, When fighting Vader, same thing with Superman when he fights Zod and when he thinks he figured out what he wants in life. Um, And, you know, those their decisions they want to overturn eventually. Um, But also like when we talked about like, you know, Uncle Ben, you know, in Spider-Man, it's interesting. You watch Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. It's kind of eerily similar to Richard Donner's Superman 2 as well. Um, And I... I don't want to say that Superman and Superman two is kind of like the blueprint that these movies kind of, you know, abridged of, cause it's like classic storytelling in certain in a sense and like um, yeah. character arcs, but like Superman two, the Donner cut for me is just so much more of an easier watch than I think the first Superman movie. And mm-hmm. when you watch the Lester cut, I mean, other than the scene where it's like, do you care to step outside and the ending being significantly different than the first or than the Donner cut. I mean, Superman 2 is a pretty awesome movie. Like, yeah. I mean, you get like some good action. I think Zod is awesome in this movie. I think Michael Shannon saw Superman 2 and was like, I can do that and better. And he definitely does. Um, there's some homage there, <laughs> except the get up isn't as cool as in the original 1980 Superman. I love oh, yeah. the get ups. Yeah, Terrence um, Stamp and uh, Superman Two is fancy as hell. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, dude, Versa, yeah, dude. I mean, oh yeah, they they all fancy as hell. The little like you know, thirsty like, sequin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know what? I like how it kind of wraps up things for like <laughs> on the Lex, the Lex Luthor uh, or Lex Luthor. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Luthor. <laughs> yeah, like they wrap up his character and everything else, and he's just like, you know, that's why I like Lex Luthor as a kid growing up, and even like watch the anime series. Like, yeah, he's super smart, but like he's got his eye on the prize, and it's always been real estate. Like, that's how you know he's a real <laughs> villain, you know, when he's trying to buy up real estate. I mean, kind of be who live in now, like Lex Luthor, like, man, yeah. this guy's a bad mofo. Yeah, like the uh, Warner Brothers loves Lex Luthor as well because that's the only villain we get in Superman movies. Uh, like, <laughs> like Superman, Superman has a wealth of uh, of super villains mm-hmm. like Brainiac, uh, Metallo, uh, Lobo, like so many great villains. But like in the Superman movies, we only get <laughs> Lex Luthor. Like fucking Batman, we get the Joker, the Penguin, Catwoman, Mister Freeze. Poison Ivy, Two-Face, the Riddler. You know, we get a Scarecrow. We get all these, you know, his Rose Gallery. In Superman movies, all we get is motherfucking Lex Luthor. <laughs> we get nothing. Nothing. Um, I can't I stand say, it. No, I can't either. I mean, and that's why when we talked about Superman earlier, you know, man, those animated stuff, like the live action stuff I liked a lot, but I think Superman's animated works are strong like oh, yeah 
the DC multiverse movies like are awesome. Like you talk about Doomsday or the Death of Superman remake of that. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You know the Justice League Unlimited movies. Like I mean, they introduce a lot of like Superman's villains. I think Brainiacs even like in the Injustice video games. Even it's mostly Superman stories that they're taking. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, Crisis on Infinite uh, Earth. Um. I think the animated Superman stuff is top tier, like DC content. Like people who don't oh, watch yeah. like those DC animated movies are missing out. Um, I watched Superman Red Sun uh, uh, earlier this year, and I was like, "Oh my god, this movie's so good!" Like yeah. people need to watch that. I mean, it does Batman dirty, but I don't give a shit. You know, it's about Superman. Um, but but when it comes to like little live action Superman, I mean. You're gonna get Lex Luthor because I mean it's it's like it's the Joker effect of Batman. Like I mean, yes, a lot of Batman movies we get a lot of different rogues, uh, the rogues galleries on displays. You know, same thing with Spider Man. But I mean, I mean, there's always people who want to watch Joker in the Batman movies. I mean, even yeah. the Batman with Matt Reeves, we got the we got Joker technically in it already. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? we do. Like yeah. you can't escape that. Like you can't escape Superman with Lex Luthor, uh, Luthor, excuse me, and. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm cool with it, but I think in, in I, I think getting General Zod and getting his two minions with him too, I just really I just really respect Richard Donner to be like having the balls to be like I'm making a movie and these people aren't even in the main villains, but they're gonna be in the opening of this freaking movie and they're gonna show up in the second movie, and you know when he does the remake or does the splicing, I guess because I mean. Technically, you could say the Donner cut is a Frankenstein movie because, like, he splices things from his footage in 78 and then he splices things from the Lester cut and then he does things with VFX in 2006, yeah. right after Superman Returns and still makes a competent movie. Like, you go on any Reddit, people are going to say Donner cut's not a full movie. It's not a complete movie. It's a fucking movie. Like, it's, yeah. it's the test screenings footage, the, re- the reuse of an ending from the first movie and this one. I mean, it's still so good. <laughs> yeah, for like uh, in his defense, there's the, like the reuse of Lester's footage is because he just didn't shoot that, mm-hmm. you know. So they had no choice but to use it, which is like, I mean, it's not like like in Zack Snyder's case where Joss Whedon reshot most of it, but like <sighs> Snyder had shot everything he wanted to shoot, so. He could just use his own footage. He didn't even have to use any of Whedon's footage. And he stated himself, like, I, I would burn everything before I use any of Joss Whedon's footage. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Donner didn't have that choice. You know, right. he, he just had to use it. So it's just like, ah, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember people complaining when it first came out, like, um, back in the day on IMDb message boards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the like, real what, cancer and toxicity of oh yeah Twitter is right on oh, DB. Yeah, like people talk about how oh, how film Twitter is so toxic. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember IMDb message board. That that was the <laughs> worst. I was there and it was just like when they 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 said they were disabling message boards and everybody was like, no. I was like, yes, please kill this toxicity. This place, this <laughs> that message the message board sucked. <laughs> They and were now so they migrated many... to Letterbox now, I guess, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's why I just post my reviews on Letterbox and I'm out. Like, oh. I don't care. Um, 
but like I remember people complaining about the reuse of uh, Superman turning back uh, the Earth in time, and I'm like, actually, kind of, I find it kind of fun because um, if you look at the way they use it, like in in the first Superman, when he's turning back time, like you know, he's just full of emotion and he's crying because he's trying to save Lois, and the Donner cut, he's smiling as he does it. And almost like the sense of here we go again, doing this one more time, and it's just like it, it it works for me. It works for me the 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 turning back time. I don't have a problem with him use reusing it in this one as well. Like I I, I find it completely fine. And also he has the footage of showing back the hands of time, like where Perry White, uh, the great Jackie Cooper, is putting a toothpaste on his toothbrush. And you see it come out and then go back into the tube. <laughs> um, you see like everything just going back, and that's like I thought that was great. Like mm-hmm. I have, I think it's fine. I'm I'm glad he didn't have to use the fucking stupid because I, I, I like memory. the Lester cut, but that fucking stupid uh, memory uh, kiss. Oh, the yeah, the, the 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 memory kiss to make her forget uh, that he's Superman with a kiss. I'm like, y'all just pulled that out of your fucking ass. Like, <laughs> what is this? Like Superman has never had this ability ever. Like it's like watching Superman four, and when he rebuilds the Great Wall of China with his mind, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, what he's playing this? Tetris. Yeah, <laughs> this is bullshit. Also, I think Lois Lane. I think Lois Lane's better in Superman two the the Donner cut because like she fucking shoots man's just to prove a point. She jumps off a building. Like she's like she's unhinged in this movie. Oh, she's out of fucking control. Yeah. Like, Jumping out the window, like, uh, 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 you know, pretending she's going to shoot him. Like, it, Lois is out of control. Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. in the lesser cut, she just jumps into, like, what is it, the river around Niagara yep. Falls. And this yep. one, she jumps out of a fucking window. <laughs> Honey, you are insane. <laughs> like, she, she's just thirsting for Superman. Like, she can't help it anymore. She's just, oh, like, yeah. unhinged. <laughs> yeah, she was caught. She was caught in the Superman thirst trap. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I mean, I I always liked the first Superman movie, but like, I don't know. On rewatching Superman two, the Donner cut, like, it's pretty elite to me. Like, it's, I'm really kind of not wanting to watch Superman three. I don't, I don't hate Superman three, but like, I'd rather just watch Superman Returns because I remember when Superman Returns came out, and I was super hyped. I was buzzed for that movie, and I'm curious to see how that kind of like. Because it does play off Superman 2 in some aspects. Yes, it does. Um, and the Donner cut specifically, I would say, much better. So I'm really anxious to kind of watch that and see what that would look like. Um, but Superman 2, I mean, it's hard to talk about two movies, and you know, uh, two different versions of the same movie. But, like, I mean, you can take – most of the movies are similar. There's just little differences. But, like, some – I think in Superman 2's defense, there's some big differences compared to different cuts. I mean, yeah. even the openings for good for goodness sake is like so different. Like the opening in Paris in the Lester cut, it's kind of cool, you know, to see the Eiffel Tower and everything. Yeah, I just really like the opening to though to the Donner cut where it talk like it has that really nice in memoriam. Um, it it tries to recreate in two thousand six age old footage in the set in the eighties, you know, to make them like fit that leaving the Phantom Zone. Um, I think yeah. that's really incredible. I don't like when they sneak into the Fortress of Sol- Solitude and, you know, kill the the henchmen, you know, and everything. And it gives you like a play-by-play of the first movie. I don't like yeah. when movies do that. I don't like how Thor Love and Thunder does that as well. Like, 
motherfuckers, we are fucking nerds. We watch these movies religiously. We, we don't forget movies very easily anymore. Like we don't need play by plays of what happened in last movies. I don't know. When I was growing up, when a movie's coming out, it's a sequel. You go to family video and whatever you don't remember, you just rent all the fucking movies before that. And you binge through them before the next movie and you gear up, you know, yeah. like that's just what you did. Um, Superman two, they really kind of don't do that except just say like, Oh, they're still in the phantom zone. Remember these people from the very first five minutes of the first movie? Though here they are. They're going to be kicking ass the rest of this movie. You know, that's about it. In the first, yeah. like the Lester cut, they're just like, oh, remember who Zod is. Remember the introduction of this person and out of this other stuff. Yeah. And no, I, I think that's smart to, to do stuff like that, where it's like, you know, like, you know, a lot of movies do that now, and I hate that. Mm-hmm. Like, with sequel bait ending, where they release it on a like where they leave it open for the sequel at the end but like if we don't like the movie we don't go see it and if you don't go see it the movie doesn't do well the movie doesn't do well it doesn't get a sequel so we'll never know what the fuck happens and you know at the end of that one because we didn't get a sequel to explain you know and i hate that i hate sequel rate endings with a passion um uh uh I'll mention this one because Mike loves it when I do that, but the, like, Mile 22 with Mark Wilbur. I hate that ending because it's such a sequel bait ending. I, I do it because Mike loves it for some reason when I trash Mile 22. It makes no way. Is he, Michael, he does it. Is Michael Scott one of those, like, Mark Wahlberg defenders? He, he, no, it's not that he's a Mark Wahlberg defender. <laughs> he, he, like, like he, he care less. Uh, he couldn't care less. Um, it's just that it, it, it makes him like, like, it, it, like, I don't know. He said it too because I, I shit it on it not too long ago. And he was like, uh, it fills my heart with so much joy to watch the, the bro shit on mile 22 whenever he does it. <laughs> He's just a Peter Berg guy. That must be it. I don't, think, I don't even think that is. I just think that he doesn't like that movie either. And then I shit <laughs> on it. And he's just like, yes, shit on that movie. Shit on it. And uh... I'm just like, yeah. I, I will, I will, because I hate that movie. But it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I hate that issue of, like, that movies have now where they put the cart before the horse, you know? Oh. And it's just like, they, they, they're planning, they're already planning the next entries in this series. But, like, you, like, you know, you have to make sure we like their first entry first, you know, before you start planning sequels. And, like, Superman was smart because it put that instant in there, like, you know, this moment in there where Jor-El was banishing uh, Azad and, and Ursa and Nan into the Phantom Zone. And it's like, that was the sequel bit. Like, you know, like, where it was like, mm-hmm. oh, if we, get a sequel. if we don't get a sequel, then it's just a moment where we see Jor-El and his element, you know, yeah. like, you know, like how he was. <laughs> You know, and, and that'd be fine. Like, we don't have to, like, so what happened with them? Because it's just like, well, who are they, you know? And then it's successful. We get the sequel. And then, like, they bring Zod in the back. And it's like, oh, I remember them. They were in the first one. They got banished. And now they're mm-hmm. back. And it's great. You know, we, we didn't have to worry about, like, like, them putting them at the end of part one and just being like, oh, uh, if, if, you know, nobody wants to see Superman that will never know what the fuck is, is going on with Zod and them. But, like, he was smart to put that in the beginning and just leaving it like that. And it was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the brilliance of Richard Donner just, you know, to do that. You know, 
like I, like I said before, God bless that man. God bless mm-hmm. that man in entirety. Yeah, some of these MCU movies got some of these fucking movies a little too comfortable in their element. Like, oh yeah, you got to earn that sequel. Like, come on now. Oh, they're, they're gonna get a sequel. You know, <laughs> Marvel was so far into their their whole thing where it's like they don't even have to worry. You know, I'm mean, maybe maybe you know, not entirely. Maybe eternally. You know, like, yeah, oh, no, nah, I'm just saying Marvel made a lot of a lot of movies too fucking comfortable, and I think studios got a little too comfortable too. Because oh yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. If they're gonna be teasing a fucking uh, mile twenty three or whatever with Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> like I'm gonna be fucking pissed. Because if we get any, I'm starting to get tired of movies that are getting unnecessary sequels. I mean, I'm happy we're getting another Den of Thieves movies, personally. Yeah. Like, I'm excited for that shit. But, I mean, until we get an Alita 2, is, like, when I'm going to be actually happy. Like, yes. I'm still yes. waiting for an Alita Battle Angel 2. Yes. Because it's I an injustice well. if we don't. Yes. Yes. Like, I, I, don't, I don't want any of these fucking sequels. Give me Alita 2, and I'll be happy. Like, like Cameron, I love you. I don't know if we necessarily need Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5. <laughs> I, I want Alita 2. Give mm-hmm. us Alita 2, son of a bitch. Like, that's, <laughs> that's all I care about at this moment. That movie was amazing. I love Alita, and I need Alita 2. Like, this was going back to what I was saying before. Like, you know, you're a kid, and you see a movie, and you love it. And it's just like, give me that sequel. But that, that's how it was with Alita. Like, I want Alita 2. God damn it. I don't give a shit about anything else. Mm-hmm. Give, me, give me Alita 2. When I saw Edward Orton, I was like, holy shit, the sequel's going to be good. It's going to be elite. I was like, oh, wait, there's no fucking sequel? <laughs> like, where is it? Yeah, yeah. You fucking ruined their lives. With, mm-hmm. with no, uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't mean, wait for the I can't wait for the next MCU movie to or Secret Wars or whatever to come out. And then Edward Orton's the Hulk's gonna, and Bruce Banner's going to be in it. And everyone's going to be like, oh, holy shit. Right, 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 right. Um, oh God, uh, I, I will refrain from bad mouthing MCU here. Um, I mean, like, listen look, to the podcast, I guess. <laughs> no, like, here's 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 the thing. Here's the thing. I, I I like MCU movies. I just don't think they're worship worthy king shit as a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. So um, I just keep quiet, you know, like with my criticisms. But uh, I, I do like a lot of their movies, and I don't like a lot of their movies. Um, and, and that's the best way I'm going to put it right now. Mm-hmm. That's why, I like, you're talking about Thor, Love and Thunder. And, like, yeah, this, that. And like, dude, I have no plans of seeing that fucking thing for, for a while. I haven't. I, I can't remember. The last MCU movie I seen was uh, Shang-Chi. And that's nice. because, you know, I, I'm a big martial arts guy. And yep. it was uh, the fight scenes were choreographed by the late, great uh, Brad Allen. So I was like, you know, I'm just I'm just here for my boy Brad Allen. I don't give a shit about any any MCU ties. I don't give a shit about the end, like you know, the mid credit scene or the end credit scene. I could care less. <laughs> I couldn't care less. I couldn't care I, less. I mean, you 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 left MCU at a good place. I mean, that movie popped off like had yeah. no business popping off like that. No, no, it, it was it was it was great. It was great. It was a banger. Like before that, I think the the last MCU movie before that I seen was Endgame. Mm-hmm. And then everything between that and Shang-Chi I didn't see and everything after Shang-Chi I haven't seen. Um, I have Eternals. I haven't watched it yet. I don't know when. Like, the, the funny thing is, um, for my birthday, my father bought me Thor Ragnarok like a couple of years back. And um, it took me like two years to watch it. Like, I, I could not care less. 
I could not. Like, I, I, I do not give a shit about any of this continuity and all that stuff. <laughs> like, it, like, it, like, no, the movies are fine. The movies are fine, but I could not care less. It's kind of annoying that some of these movies, like super movies, kind kind of either have to be so infused in realism, or they can't have like some sort of suspended belief because of fandoms. Yeah. But then you see things like like you see things like Superman, where he's turning back time by spinning the Earth around and around. Like, I mean, Kevin Feige and the Multiverse of Madness are like, what? That doesn't make fucking sense. Like, how can you change time? But like, they did that in '78. You know. I mean, right, like because those movies aren't like Richard Donner's Superman movies aren't afraid of being corny because that's the part of Superman's, you know, uh, uh, you know, his whole aura. You know, he's a corny character. Like, I- I'll admit it, he- he's corny. You know, like that mm-hmm. is the reason they call him the big boy, boy scout. Yeah, uh, he's a corny guy, but like he was, he's unabashedly corny. And Richard Donner's not afraid of portraying that. Like, a lot of superhero movies are afraid of that. Like Marvel movies, they're afraid of being pointed. Like that's why they cut and every serious moment with a joke. That's why I appreciate mm-hmm. Snyder because there's sincerity in how he portrays the superheroes. You know, like yeah, they may be dark and gritty, and that's not for everybody. But I love that he pays some respect with how serious and uh, sincere he portrays them. Which you, you don't see in Marvel movies because everything has to be funny. Ha <laughs> look how much fun we're having. It's all a joke, one big joke. <laughs> and it's just like, no, no. Like, uh, you know, Snyder gets it where Feige doesn't, where, you know, you, you look at Donner's Superman movies and he's corny and he's unapologetic himself, you know. And that's why I love it because he's just a character who's just in his element. It's just, he's a corny guy. He's a corny guy. Um, that that either either moment with the fucking way he he comes back with his powers and uh the general would you care to step outside or in Donna's version uh, uh, haven't you ever heard of freedom of the pest there are two corny moments but they're so fucking great super like authentic Superman moments like mm-hmm. I, I I don't care how corny they seem they're perfect for Superman you know and and that that's why I love it so like you know because he's just authentic. And how he portrays his character, and it's—I—I I, I don't give a shit how corny it is. Right, it's and wonderful. they've never—and I think the worst—I'm not the worst thing, but I think like the only difference throughout the years of Superman that's ever changed is the exploration of the what if of Superman. Like, what if he was not as corny or or a Boy Scout? You know, what if he was more of a Cal Al character? What if yeah. he like, you, you know, the whole storylines of Doomsday and Superman dying, and then the stories of Superman um and, and uh dark side you know being corrupted you know and yeah. turning on you know society you know it, 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 you know those i don't care as much for those i think the doomsday storyline is really interesting and really cool yeah. but like him you know you know dark state superman you know where he's yeah. you know in charge interesting maybe execution in other mediums haven't been as good you know, and then you think you you take it to like the Frank Miller stuff, where Frank Miller just doesn't like Superman at all. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, Frank Miller, fucking. Yeah, yeah like his, I have a love hate with Frank Miller. Like I kind of like it, in some ways his storylines of a, a Batman and like what it does for DC um, is cool, but like at the same time, you know, there's some parts I have problems with and portrayals of other superheroes in the sake of because Batman's just cool and a human, you know. Yeah, almost like what Snyder does. Snyder's almost like a Frank Miller type, 
where he's like, I like super our uh, Batman so much, but I have to like marginalize the other superheroes for the sake of Batman in some aspects, you know? Yeah. But um, Superman still at the end of the day, I think people still have like this idea of what Superman is. And I can't think, I can't say you can say that about a lot of the other superheroes, except maybe uh, in at least in DC, you know, I, I would say maybe Wonder Woman, you could still say um, is very much unchanged, like on, un- like she's had different variations and iterations. And I think some of those are for the better. Same thing with Superman. Like I like Henry Cavill's portrayal of Superman and Snyder's take on it, but um, he's still kind of been, you know, Superman. Um, yeah. But you can't say the same thing about Batman. You know, you can't say the same, even the same thing about Green Lantern, or you can't say the same thing about Aquaman even anymore. Uh, yeah. But then, I mean, the closest thing you could say is maybe Wolverine or maybe Spider-Man in, you know, these movies and comic books. Like there's not, it's one of those few characters where it's like everybody kind of knows them and they, they still don't change from that because it's a really good flawless fuel formula of sorts, you know? Yeah, no. Yeah, uh, absolutely. With, with Superman, um, the, the fact that I, I, I think that he remains so pure is what, people find endearing but but also why people find him so um like they're put off by him because uh he doesn't have this like kind of like perfect nature but it's like you know kind of like oh like what if i do this like there's one story um written by joe kelly uh what's so funny about truth justice in the american way where he kind of has to come to terms with that where he deals with a superhero um that kind of goes over the edge. And in dealing with them, Superman proves that, you know, he, he could, but he chooses not to. And that's what makes him different from them mm-hmm. is because he, he could literally, uh, you know, just burn the fucking world down if he could and just decimate everyone. But he doesn't because he's not like them, you know? And, you know, his values is what makes him different and what makes him not necessarily better, but, you know, stronger person for sticking to his values, you know, as a, as, just as a person, as a character. And, like, you know, that, to me, is the most important uh, Superman story because it shows why he's such a great character overall because he could, he literally could fucking go around and split people's heads open and mm-hmm. fucking crush them like a pancake. He just chooses not to because if he loses control, you know, it's easy for him to lose control because he can, because he could do all these things. So, you know, him, you know, keeping that aspect at bay is what makes him the the, the hero that he is. And it's just, that's just the, the most wonderful thing about Superman as a character. You know, when you think about that, there's also an aspect in um, Frank Miller's, like, I mean, he hates Superman, but he did give him a nice little, uh, arc in um, what was it? Uh, Dark Knight Three: The Master mm-hmm. Race, where um, he cuts loose on um, these superhuman characters, and Batman is just astonished, like, "Wow! Like, you know, he's been holding back this whole time, and look at him! Like, you know, like you realize if 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 he was like this the whole time, we couldn't stop him. So, like, you realize he's a he's a true hero in that you know in that aspect where he's like." Mm-hmm. I keep this at bay because it's better for the world that I do, you know, because if I just let loose, it's just, you know, anarchy, you know, just pure, just violence. And just, you know, Superman is just, just 
I like when people say he's a boring character. I'm like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like go fuck yourself. Super, like you know, you, you, you just you, you just gotta understand uh, understand the character. Like you know, there's so many great things to read. Where like like what I just mentioned was so funny about you, Justin. Uh, All Star Superman, Superman for Tomorrow. Like just to, to just explain what which just uh, how much wealth of just of character that that man that that character has. You know. And it's just, he's just, that's me, like, you know, right there is why he's, he'll always be my favorite. Like, I, I would never change, um, like, you know, people like, oh, I used to like this character as a kid, but now I like this character now. Like, Superman will always be my favorite. Superman mm-hmm. will always be my favorite no matter what. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would never change that. There's, there's a picture I have um, where, where I'm decked out in, um, all kind of Superman drip. I got Superman hat, <laughs> shirt, uh, watch, uh, coffee cup. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying that I was, I was, I was out of control when I took that picture. I was just like, is, I want to, I want to show my Superman drip. As, as long as you're not the guy who wears a Superman T-shirt when he goes to the gym to lift. Oh no no no! That's just one yeah. of those unspoken rules, you know. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's that's just going too far. Let's yeah, too far. yeah. <laughs> I, I also don't wear a Superman shirt when I go to see a Superman movie. It's uh, like you know, uh, I'm not that guy. I would never be that guy. Yeah, don't don't be that guy. Like we get it. You you <laughs> can say you're a fan and you're good. You don't you don't have to drip out for a premiere of a superhero movie. Like, I swear <laughs> to God, when No Way Home was coming out, everything Spider Man clothing was pushed away. I was like, I don't I don't need any of this. Like I'm good. <laughs> you know. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh. I mean, Robo, I mean, is there anything else you need to say, my man? Because it's like, um, I think you nailed on the head. I think you can appreciate both versions. I, I think that's what's the beauty of director's cuts and theatrical cuts and all these other things um, is like, they're fun to watch and you can kind of make your choice of which one you prefer. I think it's mm-hmm. super cool. Um, but again, I think you were, you're right. I think there's sometimes some movies you just, you know, maybe you're trying to be a little different. You know, when you say, oh, the Ari Aster version of Midsommar is way better than the theatrical because, you know, eight to right. four, you know. But I oh, think yeah. the daughter cut and the, the, and, and the lesser cut, I think there's arguments to be made on your preference of which one you want to watch. And absolutely. I think when it comes to Superman, kind of like the, the foundation of what like superhero movies should be like and like borrow from and kind of build on it, I think they are really good blueprints um and it shows like when you have a, a director who's passionate about a project you should be able to give them that creative freedom you know what i mean because then you don't get things like the donner cut you know uh but then again you want to get you know like the lester cut and get other creatives to take a stab at those kind of things but um i mean is there anything else you want to say my man about superman 2 nah um superman 2 is like well, when you think of like that one-two punch of Richard Donner's Superman and then uh, Superman Two, whether it's the Donner cut or the Lester cut, it's just like that one-two punch of of superhero cinema where it's just like it's just perfect stuff. Like you know, like like yes, I stated I have issues with both versions, but that's just a small like trivial thing. And the whole outweighs, you know, whatever problem I have with society. I can overlook that because 
both versions to me just you know the donna cut more but both versions to me are just like celebrate what superhero cinema should be mm-hmm. you know and like the way it portrays the characters it takes them seriously you know it, it gives them you know these these dramatic moments it takes them seriously it, it's just a wonderful thing you know and richard donner it was the blueprint of like how to portray superheroes in cinema you know before that they, they were just like uh, you know george reeves hi i'm superman and i love that but it was just like you know he he, he gave Superman, like where he was just looked upon as like you know this silly comic book character, he gave him dignity and and depth, you know, and, and it's just like you know what like I know people love superhero movies and there are people who hate superhero movies, you know, like oh superhero movies are killing cinema, but it's like when you have something like this come along and it's wonderful, you know, it's just like. They, they serve their purpose, not just in superhero movies, but cinema altogether, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why a movie like Richard Donner's Superman and Superman 2 perseveres to this day because it's like, you know, you have that bridging of superheroes, but also, you know, cinema, you know, it, it just comes together in this one unified fort where it's just like, this is a beautiful thing, and whether like, you know, you love comic books or movies, um, I love comic books, but, you know, I'm a movie buff, you know, I will always take movies and comic books. You know, it just, it just brings it all together in this complete, like, package for me where it's just, like, both things I love and a unified for it, and it's just amazing. And, you know, that's Richard Donner who did it. You know, Richard Donner is just the king for that, and that's why he will always be the blueprint for superhero movies going forward. You know, a lot of not every director follows the blueprint, you know, and they just do their own thing or whatever. And it's like, fine, you know, you're good, you're good. You know, I know you got to play to that audience, but it's just like the ones who do, and they just, you know, it's just like you have this wonderful um, example to go forth. And God bless Richard Donald. That's all I can say. You know? Yeah, yeah. I God do bless think- that man. I think per inside the sequel fashion, this is a case where I do prefer the sequel more than the first, but I think the first is also like essential to watch. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I like the Donner cut more. I recommend it. Um, that's some Absolutely. reference, but um, yeah. I mean, other than that, Rob, I mean, you know, I think if anybody, I think there, I think most people have, but if just for some reason, if anybody hasn't, Listen to your awesome podcast, man. I mean, where can we tune in? Where can we get like a night? Where can we listen to a nice, soothing voice talk about movies and like burp and drink at the same time? And we're <laughs> like, shit, why don't we have like a glass of whiskey right now listening on our? Well, you shouldn't be driving, but like you should be just sitting somewhere in the easy chair just listening to the, like, you know, you talk about like Statham cinema and stuff. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, I, I don't definitely don't uh, condone drinking and driving, but, uh, like I, I'm definitely one of those types. Of like you know, if you like, you enjoy podcasts. You know, sit down with a glass and listen to me talk whatever about movies. But uh, of course, um, I have my my uh, my main my baby uh, main show, the Cinema Drunkies, uh, with me and uh, my brother from another Mac, the All Star. But we, uh, well, originally we were the Action Drunkies, but we talked about action movies. But then we changed mm-hmm. to the Cinema Drunkies, where we talk about all movies. You know, because we just love cinema in general. So, you know, we want to be open to talking about everything. 
Um, of course, uh, the Wrath of Stave is coming out um, uh, about the films of Jason Statham. And then uh, I have uh, You Could Have Been a Bloodfest movie about uh, action films where we try to decipher uh, could this have been a part of the Bloodfest series? Uh, I, I love that. Uh, I also got a podcast coming out with a great, great friend, uh, Patrick Bartlett, a horror podcast. Um, that, that'll be out later this year. Um, and yeah, also, uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Cinedrunkie, um, as my main Twitter handle, but also at Bluffist Pod or the Bluffist Podcast one and at Wrath of State or, um, the, the, the state film one and at cinema drunkies or um, my main podcast the cinema drunkies and yeah uh shout out to all our uh, our, our dear friends uh mike scott who we mentioned uh quite a bit on this episode uh yeah, i was a little Bo- drunk i'm sorry i usually don't bring him up very often <laughs> <laughs> no no i love i love mike i love my i love that man um also lindsey wilkins from shock and awe i love her uh, our, our our boy uh, Daniel Epler from uh, Cobwebs Podcast. Um, I definitely I haven't talked to uh, uh, Daniel in a while, like on a, on an episode. I love doing Cobwebs Podcast. I need to uh, like I, I've been meaning to hit Daniel up. I'm like, hey, can we do another Cobwebs? Yeah, and, slide uh, those DMs, man. Just hit him with some bald cinema, and he'll be all over it. Well, well, I don't have to now because I just mentioned it on the show. So it's just like like <laughs> there. I just. You know, I've I've I haven't slid in his DMs in a while and shit, but now like he's gonna know, like mm-hmm. you know. But like, yeah, shout out to everybody, like you know, in our circle, uh, Anthony, uh, Carmelita, um, Preston, I uh, love Preston, mm-hmm. great guy, um, great. And um, shout out to all my people on X Twitter: Larry Sternshine, Chris Barreras, Andy Gorham, um, just uh, Aaron Vargas, just just all all the great people, all the great people. Yeah, and uh, shout out to you for bringing me on to talk Superman. I always love talking Superman, and I appreciate you bringing me on here. Um, been a fan of your show for a while, so like I was excited to come on here and to talk Superman too. Uh, it was just you know the, the great, the great thing here, and I really appreciate you. Thank you. Just wait till you get on to the second time, man. And it's not about <laughs> Superman; it's just my podcast. You're like, what the fuck is this kid doing? Uh, I can't wait to be on the Wrath of Stat- Statham podcast where you're going to yeah. have me on with Jason Statham to talk about Expendables 3, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I think it was the Transporter <laughs> 2 we, we discussed talking about. Yeah, it I was, mean, honestly, yeah. Transporter 2 fucking was a revelation. Like, I was like, oh, holy yeah. shit. I didn't realize how good Transporter 2 fucking is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, I remember seeing that in theaters and everyone <sighs> went good doggone fucking nuts over that mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that that one was wild transported to was wild but yeah yeah we're definitely gonna hook up we're definitely gonna hook up and we're gonna talk that one good all right that sounds good man hey you've heard it all here um we have we have rob from the cinema drunkies podcast on talking about superman 2 the donner cut um what do people think about director's cuts and what do they think about comic book movies and where does superman and superman 2 stand in that uh, conversation um definitely give us some of your thoughts in the comments and don't forget to like this podcast and um share with your friends and everyone um on the internet um if you have any questions or if you would like to have an episode or be a guest on the show i mean always hit us up don't forget to see, uh, email us at sequelpod at gmail.com uh don't forget to follow us on twitter as well at sequel pod um or inside sequel excuse me and then 
you can follow me, Chris, at Hurtastic underscore Chris. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Hurtastic Reviews as well. Um, Rob, thanks again, man, for hopping on here again. It was a lot of fun. Oh, thank uh, you for having me, man. I really appreciate this, and I had a blast doing this. Uh, de- definitely love to do this again with you. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just to thank you wholeheartedly for having me on. No problem, man. And, and if you think... And if you think that I got more drunk than Rob on this episode, retweet. And if you think Rob got more drunk, just like the video, the, the link. So that way we know who was the actual cinema drunk in this recording. Uh, <laughs> I, I, was tr- I was drinking before this, so maybe. Uh, <laughs> pre-gaming. That's my problem. I don't pre-game before the recording. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, if you aren't standing Christopher Reeve in his Superman movies, do you really care about cinema? Other than that, we'll see you next time.